Can you make a blackberry taste even more like a blackberry or isolate the tropical flavors in a bud of hops? Experts from the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture say when it comes to flavor, the possibilities are endless. And this week they are hosting the Arkansas Flavor Analysis Conference in Fayetteville to give researchers and industry professionals the tools to optimize the unique qualities of our food. Ozarks at Largest Daniel Carruth spoke with Scott LaFontaine, assistant professor of food chemistry, about the conference. And it's a conference where we're inviting um, an international expert on flavor chemistry in, Dr. Eric Leitner from TU Graz in Austria. And really, the conference is around how to use uh, instrumental analysis to promote flavors in crops as well as uh, value-added products, such as beer, wine, or, you know, jams, you know, any processed food. And so when you talk about, you know, flavor analysis, what does that mean? What, what is it that this is? So uh, part of the speciality that I work in is a technique called gas chromatography mass spectrometry. And I know that's a mouthful, uh, but essentially there's compounds that volatilize or um, go into the gaseous state, let's say, and we smell them. Right, so we have a tool which is uh, I'm going to shorten that to it's called GCMS, and that tool allows us to separate compounds. So chromatography is separation. So we want to identify individual components that are leading to the aromas that we have. Right, so our our olfaction bulb can sense different volatiles, and those volatiles then send cues to our brain when we eat pineapple or cheese, right? So depending on the composition of those volatiles, that tells us the the aroma that we're smelling, right? So there's a link between the chemistry or that olfaction bulb and the the chemicals that are attaching to those sensors. So this instrument allows us to look at uh, the volatile fraction of um, chemical components. Yeah, and for you, why focus on on this area of chemistry, like why flavor and food, why is that something that's important to you? So my background has been in brewing science. Um, and so I've worked a lot with beer and wine and non-alcoholic products. And particularly that non-alcoholic products is something that I'd like to you know, talk further about in this. But um, there's th- that is what provides enjoyment. Um, and I think nowadays that's a really important thing, um, and not just you know decoupled from the alcohol as well. Like if, if we eat foods that taste good, it, it, you know that brings joy into our life. And so, learning the different agricultural techniques that promote uh, good tasting crops, or how um, we promote different compositions in those crops so that they perform well in value added products. The chemistry is an important piece of that. And so helping others to understand that so we can promote new flavors of the future as well, I find a lot of enjoyment out of that. And, and a lot of these topics are pretty complex. But once we pull it apart and look at it from a flavor perspective, we've all eaten things that we, we recognize the flavors of. And once you start talking about those, those chemistries, it makes the concept easier to grasp. Yeah, and I think, can you dig into that, just the, I guess, agricultural aspect of it? So how do you have different agricultural or crop techniques that can enhance or 
change something's flavor, I guess. Or yeah. can you? you? You can totally, right? So one one aspect or one arm of my research will be to work and partner with um, breeders, crop breeders here at the university. So Dr. Uh, Yu Yan Shah, he, he's in the Rice uh, Research Extension Center, or Margaret Worthington, she's in um, horticulture. Uh, so um, Dr. Shaw is a, is a rice breeder, and um, um, Dr. Worthington would be uh, a fruit breeder. And so really what one, one direction is we can create new varieties that lead uh, and promote novel flavors. So if we understand what the volatile composition of those products are or the chemical composition of those, those crops, in the like the genomics that lead to certain volatiles upregulating or downregulating, right? So you have the genomic part and the phenotype part, right? So I'm in charge of that phenotype analysis, and what we can do is use those those breeding techniques to dial in certain um, flavor directions, and so this this the the chemical uh, aspect provides a visualization of you know what are the possibilities from a breeding perspective. Yeah. Could you give me an example of, of one of those that you've maybe worked on in the past? My background is sort of working with hops. Uh, and so at the time that I started my PhD, which was at Oregon State University, I was working with um, Tom Shellhammer. And uh, his speciality is in hops and um, sort of hop analysis and, and brewing chemistry. And historically, hops were used in the brewing process for bitterness uh, and microbial stability. And the question that I entered in at uh, was, is there an analytical metric that, say if you were purchasing hops, it would be indi- uh, an indicator of how well that hop would p- perform aromatically, right? Like, it, this compound's high, so it's going to lead to high aroma. And so we, the analytical um, approach in, in the past was total oil of the hop, so then, you know, you take the hops, put them in boiling water, and then you have a little condenser receiver that uh, the oil can collect in. And then the total amount of that oil used to be thought of as the main driver. But what happens is that oil is mainly made up of a, a class of compounds called um, terpenes. So uh, myrcene is a big one. It, it's, it smells like uh, uh, like woody almost in, in quality. But that myrcene has a very particular way in which uh, it can be extracted. And so it doesn't really get into beer because it's hydrophobic. So it sticks onto surfaces. It'll stick onto yeast cells, which get removed uh, or filtered out of the beer. And then there's other compounds that are in very, very small concentrations. So parts, you know, parts per billion. And um, those compounds are called monoterpene alcohols, so linalool. Uh, is an example of one of those compounds, and it has a floral aroma. You know, some sometimes it, it, it's very high in Fruit Loops, so you, that's where you've maybe interacted yeah. with it. And um, those compounds actually get into beer. And so as we deconstruct that oil, what we found was that certain, you know, it wasn't the majority of the oil that was important. It was some of these smaller fractions. So for people who maybe are like me, so I know that a lot of what your work is is focus on research and maybe more at an analytical level. But for someone who maybe is a novice baker or brews beer in their home kitchen or something, how can they think about food and flavor in a way that maybe uh, interacts with your work or is 
maybe more understanding of it from a novice level? Yeah, so from that perspective, um, in terms of this conference, what I want to have happen is, so Dr. Uh, Eric Leitner is going to focus on sort of what, that, what these techniques are. So the, the beginning of the conference will sort of be outlining different methods that you can perform on this, this instrumentation. And then the end, it's different applications and different crops. So we'll look at, you know, how this, this technique could be applied to rice or, um, or berries or um, in different um, uh, food aspects. So I'm going to go over a non-alcoholic beer. Uh, but as a novice, I would say that just understanding that there are, that there are varieties of crops and those varieties have di- can provide different flavor profiles. It doesn't have to necessarily be in brewing, but any any raw material that you bake with or you work with in your home, uh, varieties matter, right? Like they have different flavor profiles, and that that's one take home message, right? Like better understanding of that will make you a better chef. And they and they have different chemistries that perform differently. And we're just talking about the aroma part, but. There's a lot of different applications uh, of utilizi- utilizing uh, chemistry to, to better promote your home baking or home brewing or cooking. As far as your work and the chemistry of it, um, how is climate change playing a role in the different varieties and the flavors that we're able to experience and have? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So... Um, what what I hope to partner with, right? That that's sort of out of my uh, outside my realm in terms of um, what what what's happening from an ag- agricultural perspective is as he, things heat up, crops might be over ripening, and so ripening time has a large impact on the volatile composition of let's say uh, fruits and and berries as well as hops, and that's some some research that I have explored. Um, now. In terms of breeding for uh, climate-resistant crops, right? That that's sort of not my background. But what I would like to have in that conversation is we can't just breed for those directions and not have a focus on flavor. Because if at the end of the day we breed that crop that's uh, heat-resistant or drought-resistant, and we didn't focus on flavor or didn't have a, a flavor co- uh, component in that breeding initiative, you know, when we get to the end, will consumers even buy that crop, right? And that's that's an important thing for us to, to consider as we move move forward uh, with these challenges is we still want consumers to be interacting with that, right? We, we have to grow more sustainable uh, uh, varieties and we want those varieties to be performing in the in the risks that, to, that, that are gonna come at them in the future. But that, 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 that enjoyment piece, we need that. And um, we are, we are going to need consumers to buy these these products as well. So, yeah. And so, as far as the conference goes, what do you hope people who come to it get out of it? So, w- w- one thing um, I would say is it's probably it's pretty technical. Um, mm-hmm. But what I want to have happen is people to realize that this this technical capability is is going to be now offered at the University of Arkansas, and then sort of spur thought in how we can use this technique to better the food products and crops in this area, as well as on a national um, capacity. 
And I'm wondering for you, I know you just got here not, not that long ago, but um, is there a reason you see why maybe Arkansas is a good place to have this capacity to do that research, to create these tools and measurement processes? So as an outsider, right, yeah. I'm not from Arkansas. I grew up in Delaware. I did uh, most of my PhD work out on the West Coast and then, you know, spent time in Germany. So I'm sort of a transplant at this point. But what I see in the market potential here in Arkansas is that there's a lot of food producers uh, and a lot of successful food producers that have been in the industry that might be looking for, you know, how to, how to develop new products. And I think this is just another tool on the belt that could help to, to spur this industry. And particularly, I, I work with uh, brewing. So Arkansas grows 40% of the rice in the U.S. Um, and so from a perspective of brewing, that was really attractive to me because rice is used as an adjunct in brewing. And I think rice right now is sort of underutilized in the brewing process because we use it as a neutral starch source. And what I mean by that is we want... Uh, that starch is just long-chain sugar, right? So we feed, we can uh, use enzymes to break down that starch and then feed it to yeast, and that's what produces alcohol. But we don't want much flavor to come in from the rice. But what if we looked at that in a different way? What flavors can we get from rice? So one thing with barley right now is that barley would be the main grain that's used by the brewing industry. But barley has had really hard years in terms of climate change within the U.S. production. The war in Ukraine has also destabilized a lot of the barley market. So there's a lot of challenges on that market. So if you were a craft brewer and you were looking for a localized source of starch, rice could be may become a potential of future growth. And so doing some research on that, seeing what potential exists in that space, helping this local market from that perspective is also a direction. All right, well, that's mostly what I had for you. Was there anything you wanted to add or, or you think people should know or wanted to say? Um, so one more thing I would say is that there is a brew CP or certificate uh, brewing program uh, that exists now in the Department of Food Science. So that's one more thing that I'll sort of take over and that's in a teaching realm. And this is for undergrads as well as um, graduate students and, and even, you know, um, degree-seeking professionals in terms of, you know, coming back into a post postback program. But it's, it's just a certificate program, so you could come and take a few courses. But what I would like for that program to more grow into is sort of beverage innovation, right? Because there's even outside of beer, right? Uh, I've been talking with folks that are uh, working on sake and using rice to to go into that space. And, and so there's a lot of, again, potential. I keep coming back to that word, but I, I see there's a lot of potential for sort of connection with my sort of beverage background and my analytical chemistry and the, and the flavor background to sort of create good collaborations with folks. That was University of Arkansas chemistry professor Scott LaFontaine speaking with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth. The Arkansas Flavor Analysis Conference takes place Friday from 9 until 6 at the Don Tyson Center on the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville.